We're back with our first episode of April, first episode of spring. And uh, again, a quick thanks to our sponsors, Olio, Electro Voice, and SK Coffee. Woo! You guys are the best. Uh, <laughs> Megan, what's up today? What's up today is um, I hope you guys are enjoying your avocado toast because in three weeks, if Trump closes the border, we're not going to have any more. Avocados? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Um, this is headline in The Guardian yesterday. U.S. consumers will run out of avocados in three weeks if Donald Trump makes, a good, th- makes good on his threat to close down the U.S.-Mexican border. It's, he says it's a very good likelihood that this is going to happen or that this is going to happen. And a complete shutdown would disrupt millions of legal border crossings in addition to, to asylum seekers, as well as billions of dollars in trade and avocados. So that's you know what? If you're going to be mad about anything on this planet, people. And be mad at Trump about anything. <laughs> be mad that, that you're not going to have any avocados soon and has you did he, this to yourself. Has he thought this through? Because remember that picture where he's like, I love Mexicans, and he took a picture of his burrito bowl Oh my with God. avocados on it? Oh, my God. So he's not going to be able to have he's those. He's not going to be happy either. He did this to those. himself. Yeah. You brought this on yourself. Yeah. So ass. anyway, um, avocados, people. Go get your fill while you can and then eat them quick before they turn brown. And like smushy juggle balls. You know, I was thinking about this. I asked this question the other day. Do you think you could make your own like avocado soft serve if you just cut the tip of it, let it get really ripe and then squeeze and it's like a little soft serve? You know what? That's probably totally a thing. I mean, I'm going to look this somebody up. Should somebody should try it probably and done this. you tag us in your Insta post of you doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's just got to be the perfectly ripe it's gotta be avocado. Perfect. Because it, then if it it's comes too out ripe brown, and it's brown. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what my friend said yesterday. That's what my friend said yesterday, too. Yeah. That's well, hilarious. There you go. Um, in other weed, or weed, gosh, uh, break, <laughs> back up. In other food-related news, um, Jelly Belly has put out a line of weed-infused jelly beans. So, like, yes, the company that you grew up eating jelly beans and stealing at the grocery store in that long aisle full of delicious jelly beans. Mm. I really liked the Dr. Pepper ones. Oh, yeah, those are good. They tasted just like Dr. Pepper, dude. There were some really nasty ones. How do they fit 23 flavors in that little bean? I don't know. There's there's so little room for all that flavor to hide. I know, and now they're going to put weed in there? (laughs) How are they going to fit it all? What is this, a bean for ants? (laughs) It has to be at least... Three times as big. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so we got weed jelly beans coming at you, people. And you could be as stoned as I am right now on this weed espresso <laughs> bean. <laughs> nice. And Pat's Maui Wowie. <laughs> anyway. Wowie. Wowie. Hey, this wow. month is our favorite holiday. Is it? Yeah. What? 420, motherfuckers. I don't know if I subscribe to that. That's like for amateurs. If you, know? you don't it's smoke like New on Year's 420, Eve. I do not believe you. It's you like, are full of shit, Pat. It's like going out to drink on New Year's Eve. Oh my God. Like you don't do that every year for like three days straight. I not on New Year's uh, Eve. Uh, uh, Not yeah, this year. Your ass is working. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, okay, so at, while we're talking about food, we will seamlessly go into, you know, the main content of our podcast normally, food and electronic music. If you guys didn't see this crazy shit. <laughs> what? What is it? Colonel Sanders DJed a five-minute set at Ultra Music Festival this last weekend. Wait. Okay, I, so I don't know any so, of this. I've been out of the loop for like a week. I know, I've been, I've been like like itching to tell you since you walked in the door, but I wanted a genuine reaction out of you about okay. this. Okay. Okay, so they gave him like a marshmallow helmet, but looked like Colonel Sanders, and the <laughs> okay. eyes are like LED and everything, and guys wearing a costume that looks like the white suit with the mm-hmm. little like top black bow tie thing. Mm-hmm. And it was a five-minute set, and all the LED visuals, which I don't know if you saw the ultra the ultra stage this no, year, I didn't. but it no. was freaking massive. I mean, they always are. They're but always I mean, huge, the yeah. biggest LED display you've pretty much ever seen in your entire friggin' life. And it's just got pictures of fried chicken and like streaming like words across the whole thing that just says delicious, steamy, fried, crispy chicken. <laughs> while Colonel Sanders, fake Colonel Sanders, is fist pump DJing in front of Ultra Music Festival. So it was literally the first live commercial whoa ever at a music festival damn which says like I, i'm i'm like so torn about it because like a brilliant okay yeah, Kentucky, yeah. like kfc marketing from a marketing KFC, perspective nailed it you nailed it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you totally you totally fucking your shirt it. says ufc but your body says kfc <laughs> uh, anyway yeah um kfc nailed that with their advertising technique 
then I am extremely nihilistically sad about the future of the music industry. If that's what's happening. Yeah. We're having literal live commercial breaks yeah. at live music performances now. Yeah, it's one thing to have all the banners, like the Bud Light banners and beer banners and like sponsored stages and all of that type of stuff. That's one thing. But when it's during the performance, you're taking it to the next level. It is mind-blowing but like, if you're gonna do it though it is kind of fun you got to do it it's comedically. really funny it's just like this is what marshmallow did yeah to do I we mean, know who was not even, the, i can't even say colonel? marshmallow you know honestly if i say dead mouse i bet some people can be like oh, you're talking shit on dead mouse but yeah i'm you know he started the helmet thing how come marshmallow gets the rap because his is a marshmallow not a mouse i don't really know yeah it doesn't really matter yeah it really doesn't but it's just kind of hilarious that this is where we've come to and Here we are. It's a I weird, wonder it's who's a weird behind timeline. the mask. Who is DJing? That's, that's what, what I want to know. That's what I was going to ask you. Maybe Tiesto? it was Marshmallow. Tiesto's underneath that Colonel Sanders mask. What if he took that mask off and he had a marshmallow head What on? if it was me? What if it was you? Was it? Uh, you'll no, never know. No, because I knew where you were last week. You weren't there. Yeah, you'll, you'll <laughs> never know. <laughs> I know you weren't there. Um. Yeah, so anyway, you can look this up online, everyone, if you want to see it. It's absolutely hilarious. And so, yeah, we're doing live commercial breaks at music festivals now. So you just sit and you sit on that, put that in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we bow down to our genetically modified chicken overlords. Jesus. And, okay, speaking of festivals, uh, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock was announced, the lineup. Yeah, that's right. You sent that to me. That lineup was pretty good, right? Uh, or was it kind of mediocre? I couldn't remember. You know, people were kind of, okay. I thought it was weird. I'm going to yeah, start it's like with a my little opinion. all over the place, yeah, right? Yeah, my opinion was that it is weird. I saw a lot of people saying that, holy shit, people that played the original Woodstock would be rolling in their graves right now. Ooh, hey, guess what? I just I just searched it. Woodstock 50 adds Jimi Hendrix hologram to the artist lineup. Is that a so, joke? That was That's the top headline within the last 24 hours. Wow. But yeah, so anyway, the, the lineup is kind of crazy. It seems like it's all over the place. I mean, we've got people from Miley Cyrus to mm. Santana to Primus to Fish to Willie Nelson. And this brings me, you know, it's just a really weird lineup. We'll see how it ends up happening. I'm sure it will be a giant clusterfuck like Ultra just was this weekend where 80,000 people were left stranded in Miami trying to get a bus to Ultra. They called it Fire Festival 2 as a joke. Which, by the way, was announced on March uh, March 31st, which is one day shy of April Fool's, which okay. makes me believe that they're going to seriously try Fire Festival again. And I've, ma I've seen Ja Rule making comments about how they're going to do it again. Okay. And I doubt it involves Billy McFarlane, but yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So anyway. You know what? I'm looking at this Woodstock 50th uh, lineup to go back to what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. I actually like it. I like the diversity. I think it's got a lot for everybody, and I think it actually pays... Um, Homage to homage? Homage? How do you say that it's word? It's homage, actually. Homage? You say the H. It pays homage. It's not a Jewish word. Calm <laughs> <laughs> <Really? laughs> down over here. It's just not French like everyone thinks oh, it is. It pays homage to, I think, the original lineup because it's just all over the place. It's diverse. It's what people want to see. There's, you know, there's more styles of music these days than it there is, used to be. It is the you know, sign of the times. Yeah. It's I guess it's times. a good representation yeah. of the times, whatever. Exactly. But there is um, an Aquarian exposition that is happening at this that has a really crazy cool lineup. Uh, Greg Allman, Santana, Fish, String Cheese Incident, Primus, Willie Nelson, Bob Weir, Steve Miller Band, Widespread Panic, John Fogarty, Moe, Umphreys McGee, Oysterhead, Lotus, Keller Williams, Old Crow Medicine Show, STS9, Eoto, Tame Impala, Surfgen Stevens, The Yvette Brothers, Beats Antique, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, this, this showcase is fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah. That'll be good for people. Yeah, that'll be cool. And that kind of brings me to the next thing that I was going to talk about. I What's got that? to go hang out in the String Cheese Incident studio this week. Yeah, you were telling me a little bit about that. That sounds amazing. It was very surreal. Shout out to Jason Hahn for bringing me and Maddie out there. It was um, a very, I feel very fortunate to have had that experience. I think it's one that not a lot of people get to see. They've actually bought like a whole office building essentially in the burbs of like the Denver area and it's just enormous. I mean, going into their gear warehouse where they have like their like truck load in and everything and seeing all the gear they've acquired over like what, 30, 40 years of being a band. 
it's really surreal kind of to think about how much stuff you acquire, even just me thinking of, of as a producer, right. how much shit I've acquired right. over the past 10 years. Like if you add seven more people to that, <laughs> you need a warehouse. And it was kind of cool just to see like they had old Hammonds and the old Hammond pianos and wow. like old, like cla- like claves and electro, like electronic keyboards and like roads and old seventies, like amp heads and just like, just all kinds just, of crazy stuff just everywhere and just huge cage of merch that they just have all the time. I get annoyed by like the three boxes of stuff that I have to keep in a closet mm-hmm. that like takes up space. Well, one day, one day when you have your own studio storage space, you can have more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not, but not it was just it crazy to out. see. And um, like the performance area where they record everything is just huge. And so me and Maddie went and worked on a couple songs with Jason where he played um like congas and did a little like kick and snare hi-hat action and the tim what are they called again timbales yeah and he played the timbales too um which sound like a steel drum sort of i would say yeah they're big in reggae Yeah. yeah and so we had him record some auxiliary percussion and other stuff like that on a couple tracks that me and maddie were working on he was super super nice to do that and um, use let us use his gear and set everything up and do all the recording in the string cheese incident like mixing room so that was really surreal and it That's was a really dope. cool experience and then he took us out afterwards to get lobster rolls so it was like the best day fucking dope, of dude. my life that's awesome that's <laughs> yeah. so awesome it was really cool and the songs came out so dope his sense of timing is like uncanny he is a computer he's a robot dude like <laughs> I didn't have to quantize pretty much anything or move any transients do anything He's just a robot. So it was just a really cool experience and really crazy to get to go out there while I was there. And the whole week was crazy. I got to hang out with K-Lab. Sweet. Um, we started a track yeah. together. I just saw him while you, while you were gone. I know. I was so jealous. But fortunately, him and Kalena just moved to Denver. And they got off tour with Haywire at the beginning of the week when oh, yeah. I was just finishing my tour with Maddie. So I hung right. out with them their very first day, moved into Denver. And I was like... So how is everything, you guys? You like the new place? And and Kalina's like, well, we just put together um, an Ikea bed together and we're still in love, so that's good. (laughs) And I I laughed at that one. And um, yeah, they were blaming me for the next like three days after we partied that first night there. They were out of commission for like three straight days after that. Way to go, man. Yeah, they were like, I think (laughs) it was the altitude. (laughs) And I was just like, sorry, guys, you can't hang. No, I mean, (laughs) definitely came up into the mountains and drank heavily with us and we definitely slayed them for like several days that's fun but yeah hey. really stoked about that it was a fun trip blah 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 blah. that's cool i'm glad uh that you had a good time on the tour we can talk more about that later but first we got to take a break right now because we have a very important special guest this week calling us you might know him as dvs and then he changed his name to cloud Cord more recently Derek van scoten Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. This is Cloud Cord, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast.
have an awesome special guest with us. Well, okay. You want to back that up? All right, we've got an awesome special guest with us this week. We've got Derek, a.k.a. Cloud Cord. Um, He signed to the same roster as me. He used to go by DVS, so I've been listening to this guy for a while, even though I didn't know it after you changed your name, which Mm -hmm. is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, Derek is a super sick guitar player, I'd say, like, first and foremost, and then also an amazing producer. Mm -hmm. And you've had, like, incredible success on several platforms for streaming um and also with instagram i see you just do like rocking it on there with all the constant like live performance like loops and videos that you're putting out Mm -hmm. so we're super stoked to have you on here today do you want to talk a little bit about your process and i guess how you got to the sound that you're at now yeah that's a great question because my like archetype as a spirit is I am an adventurer. So I'll try anything out at least once. So, you know, you mentioned DVS, my previous uh, moniker. You know, I did more heavy bass music and that had drops and stuff like that. And then when I got into cloud chord, there was still some runoff there, um, some more sizzly beats that were a little bit heavier and that kind of stuff. And then at the beginning of 2018 last year, I kind of had an about face of everything. And I thought, you know, what if like I really enjoy playing guitar or just live instruments in general, but guitar is kind of my main voice more than anything else, more than sound design, more than making beats. I, I still love all that other stuff, but my desert island music selection would be definitely be just a guitar so i thought what if i just stop trying to be all these things and just be a guitarist and just have my tunes come from the inception of me playing guitar every day and see what happens and it's kind of amazing what happened because i mean it was it definitely wasn't overnight but Within six months, I kind of saw a radical shift of who was in my immediate beat making community, who was supporting me, what, you know, algorithmically online, other artists that I was associated with, it kind of did a 180. And it was, you know, when I went to the more chill hop, trip hop, lo-fi, down tempo kind of stuff, it made my heart happy because I was just like, a simple guy again playing guitar and people really started vibing off of it. So, and then kind of like the Spotify algorithms caught on. And, um, initially I had definitely a boost from chill hop music. Who's based out of Holland. Cause as a label, they have a really big following, but I think if you're smart about it and entrepreneurially entrepreneurial enough, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that you could take that momentum And you can own it, you know, and you can, and what I've seen, and Meg, you've probably seen this with your own career, what your, your super fans really want to see you do is your own thing on your own terms. And when you're waiting for permission, I think people get a little bummed out and turned off by that. You know, when people say, oh, I'm sitting on so much music, it's like, just freaking release it already. Release it by yourself. Don't worry about it. And, and I took a better than perfect. Totally, totally. And my chill, chill hop album was amazingly successful, but within six months I was self-releasing stuff, totally just nosediving off the the board of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And people loved seeing that, that I wasn't waiting for permission and that, you know, I let the chips fall where they may. And I, I think it's been really beneficial for me and the, the vibe and the connection on my fan base of just self-releasing and doing things on my terms and doing it regularly. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's amazing, man. I think that's uh, I think that's really good advice for people out there who, like you say, uh, might have a similar spirit to you, like an adventurer spirit is to just go out and make what you want to make. And, you know, just like you say, let the, let the chips, fall where they are you kind of have to yeah um this is sort of like a little tangential but i just saw so lizzo is an artist that comes out of minneapolis that we all kind of watched become this huge huge thing now and she just made a track with missy elliott 
which is so surreal. Wow. And when they released wow. it, she put out this little Instagram story where she just yells. She's like, be true to yourself. And I just like, <laughs> she's with Missy Elliott. I'm just like, wow. Okay. That like that wow. was a big moving moment for me just last week of being like. That's crazy. You, yeah. Like that's what will get you anywhere is just like consistency and not quitting. And um, Nipsey, yeah. RIP Nipsey this week. But yeah. I saw a really cool interview clip from him as well, who he said the only thing that differentiated him from everyone else who was doing what he was trying to do is that he kept doing it huh. and he was true to himself. So, right, right. And Be I think it's yourself, so easy fool. with, uh, you know, Pat and Maggie, you're both talking about like success on different platforms. Like, I initially, as Cloudcore, did a lot of remixes and it was kind of like, it was me attempting to shoot fish in a barrel kind of thing because I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty good remixer. People have vibed off it. So I had a lot of success, but you know, that people weren't really there for me. You know, I have an, a monsters of men remix that went to hypo number one, four times, but they were there for monsters of men. They weren't there for cloud cord, you know? Right. And so it's, you, you gotta eventually, you know, cut the cord and say even if my numbers are a fraction of that they are my own mm -hmm. yeah i agree i definitely have had that same experience with remixes and it is kind of fish in a barrel i think it's a good way um it's a good marketing technique it's a good marketing tool if you're starting to get going and you're trying to get attention right off the bat but i think that it's really imperative that you have quality content like original content waiting for people so that you can familiarize them with your sound via a channel that they're already familiar with and then mm -hmm. bring them in and show them something that maybe they would have been averted to, but that they're familiarized with because you kind of, you know, played into their pop culture scene or whatever. I think there's something to be totally. said about totally. it being a good marketing ploy for people who are starting out or not to say that like remixes are for people that are just starting out, but they did <laughs> help me sure. um, like off the bat. I would say, yeah. um, just bringing people to people's attention to my name to a degree, but you're right. They weren't just there for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And to kind of like, uh, expand on that a little bit and maybe this is a little tangential, but I just saw, um, some really good advice on, um, it's like Ableton does this monthly thing where they put out videos and this one guy had great advice about if, if remixes are your thing and you like doing like sample based music, you can always just remix your own songs. You can record a, your own loops and chop those up and remix them and. You know, you can right. still have the same sound and same vibe with still being true to yourself because you're just recording yourself and sampling yourself, which I'm sure right. you do quite a bit, Derek. Sure, sure. And I also have, since I've been like so far into the remix thing, like at the height of it, me and Pivotal, like we were talking to major labels and I was getting offers for people like Sean Mendes and stuff like that. And oh, wow. it was cool on paper, but... It definitely wasn't the highlight of my career. I wasn't having a good time. I was definitely making people music for other people's values. And mm -hmm. and it wasn't exciting. And I've also noticed in the blog world that like remixes have definitely fallen off, you know, compared to how they were three, five, seven, eight years ago. They they kind of used to mm -hmm. be really totally. exciting. And now people are just like, I want to hear you. Like live, it's cool. You know, like Meg, you've got some really fun ones and you know, people like to hear that on the dance floor to hear something familiar. But if you're trying to like, you know, say this is me. sell yourself based off that. Yeah, exactly. Totally. It's more like I mean, the icing I think, on the cake. Totally. And mm -hmm. I think there was this big transition be between I think like remixes were the middleman, like the liaison into people wanting more original music after this whole like explosion that we had of um, what were they called? Mashup artists right like, right like girl the talk. girl talks and like the later babes right. and like right you know there were a lot of people that were doing that i mean i remember seeing like every single thing that this song is sick.com used to put out was mashups and then that people moved away from that and we're like okay well we can't just be layering to like our already produced songs on top of each other forever and <laughs> that just completely fell off and then people were like okay well let's like add a little originality and remix culture got really, really huge again for a second. And yeah, it's just been crazy to watch the shift of everything toward people actually being more interested in like just being bored of the remix scene and interested in hearing what everyone has like to originally offer because it's all been done now and people are sick of it. Mm -hmm. 
It kind right. of parallels, I think, a little bit of like the uh, the live electronic uh, boom that's been happening too mm-hmm. over the last like three to four years. Like hybrid acts. Hybrid acts, yeah. Like it used to just be. I mean, when you'd go to like electronic shows or festivals or whatever, you just have a person up there DJing their tracks, and that was cool and everything. But like, I want to say, Grizz really popularized it, you know, with his like live sax playing, and then from there. Like it just, I, f- I feel like within about a year or two, it just kind of started exploding. Like with, I like think Sons we could like argue forever about who started. Yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I yeah. would go with like Sector Nine. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, you know? I mean, it could be. But yeah. you know, yeah, we yeah, could. That's semantics. Could, but, semantics, right. but like we it's really taken off back. over the last. Right. Yeah, yeah. we could I keep ta- going back I to talk SCI about, and <laughs> Right. I want to talk about the Orb in the nineties or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really, but it's really, I think, like. You know, parallel what you were talking about, like in that uh, regard as well, because now you see acts like Sun Squabby who are, you know, it's primarily like a live thing with some loops behind it. Or right, Derek, I've never seen you live, but I would imagine it's very similar, with the exception of your most recent show with the full horn band, which I kind of want to talk about a little bit later. Sure, but sure, yeah, you guys know. Yeah, what and I, mean. I feel like uh, while we're talking about Sun Squabby, I want to shout them out. I feel like they have done an amazing job over the past three years of getting a very forward-looking sound and not falling back on jam band algorithms. You know, you go to a festival Definitely. and like there's this jam band sound and it's like 115 to 140 with a four on the floor kick and a ton of open hi-hat and just like these squirrely noodly solos that go on for seven minutes. And it's super fun. Mm-hmm. It's, don't get me wrong. But, that, but there's a reason mm-hmm. why none of those bands like have very good streams and all that kind of stuff is because it's, it's a very communal sound, and I, I want to give those guys a shout-out. That Last last totally. time I saw them, I'm like, wow, they've crossed the bridge. This is awesome. <laughs> well, Squab yeah. always sounds like Squab, yeah. and that's one thing that's really cool about them. Like, their brand-new album, like, I didn't even know we were listening to Squab when I was being driven up to my show in Vail a couple weeks ago, but nice. I knew it was Squab. I didn't have right, to ask. Right. I didn't have to ask right. if it was a new album. I knew what it was. I knew Kevin's little accidental walk downs with the harmony that he's always got going on. Like, <laughs> I know that's Kevin in two freaking seconds. <laughs> that's, that's great. And that's cool. And I'm not bored of it. Right. That's what's cool. Right. Love it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Shout out Squab. Shout out Maddie. Shout out Kyle. Hey, Derek, I, before I forget, I want to ask you about something that you, you posted earlier i want to say like around christmas mm-hmm. um and i didn't know you had done this it was about the year prior that you did some um holiday music for the nba oh yeah oh, right. dude, that was so and sick. i'm like a huge nba fan oh, nice. so i saw that and i was like freaking out i thought that was just like super cool how did that how did that come about like did you reach out to them did they reach out to you um or? so the way a lot of the commercial industry production works is there's it's rare that you actually, as the composer, talk to the brand that is the client. There's sure. several middle people. And the way that it usually works is the NBA will hire an ad agency, and the ad agency will hire a production company, and the production company okay. will hire a composer. So, um, okay. but the way it works out, it's funny because that, I laugh about this with my friend Jenny, who was my link for that one. She's a friend of mine in New York that works for this company called uh, Found Objects Productions. And they do all kind of like what are known as like industrial things. It's all like commercial stuff because New York's like a big advertising town. And um, Mm -hmm. I actually met her at a bar on a Sunday in the East Village in New York like five years ago. And we joke that our relationship is the best case scenario for day drinking. Like it's like some really amazing <laughs> things have come out of this, you know. I'm really glad I chose to go drinking at one in the afternoon that Sunday because I met her, you know. And um, yeah, but awesome. I've, I have a, a several of those relationships, and they just kind of come from over the years, like putting myself out there and submitting to stuff. And um, I've done a whole bunch, like in 2015, it was right at the end of DVS, I did five mini documentaries for Gatorade that were all five minutes long. They were called, if you look up Gatorade Win From Within, I did all the 2015 stuff. And um, I think I remember that. I think I remember that in marketing campaign. So I've, I've done those. <laughs> it sounds so familiar. And it's, it's cool. That was actually, um, <clears throat> those 
inspired me and helped me in learning to make faster decisions. I think as like touring, performing, EP or album-based musicians, it's really easy to to sit at a crossroads for a long time and not make a decision and maybe not even release stuff. And in a lot of ways, it's because we have choice paralysis. We're like, well, I, I'm, what I'm really trying to do is make the most epic thing of all time that 20,000 people electric forest will say that was the best thing they ever experienced in their whole life. I mean, talk about choice paralysis, right? Whereas if somebody's mm-hmm. like, well, we need a little guitar thing for the first 10 seconds. And if the beat can come in right here when the ball hits the ground, and then when it goes up in the air, we want a little swish and then we want to go back to the beat. Like that's, you know, you have way they more. They call it paralysis via analysis. Mm-hmm. Paralysis via what? Analysis. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So the the wonderful thing about commercials, I mean, I'm not, you know, in full disclosure, I'm not like super passionate about it and that I want to do that with 100% of my career. It's just kind of a nice little sidecar when it happens. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think the beautiful thing about that is somebody else is forcing your hand and I do really think like working with film and production with music and correlation to film is like a whole nother ball game like we talked to flavors who is going to like cinematography music production school right now in Vancouver I believe Mm -hmm. which is kind of a whole nother thing you know like he's going to like make cinematic like Hans Zimmer kind of shit yeah but um I've produced a couple songs for um, I produced a theme song for a fishing show. Nice. And then I produced um, the music for a couple snowboarding videos that were just like five minute shorts. Very cool. And producing to film is just like the weirdest, craziest thing. And I agree with you completely that it does feel like your hand is kind of forced because you just you can't just go where you want with things all the time. Right. You have to go with the direction of a different guiding influence. It's kind of nice though, to have those guidelines. At, sure. It right? might be bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's bittersweet. Yeah, it makes it, for sure. Makes it a little easier maybe on you guys. In some it ways. was a weird experience to be honest. It's super weird. <laughs> well, the, the interesting <laughs> thing too, is like, even if you're doing say dance beats for something, a lot of times you have to make weird decisions where it's like a bar of three or a bar of two and a oh, half. Be- dude, that shit drives me <laughs> nuts. I think that's because- the biggest thing that drives me fucking nuts is that like, <laughs> and I've noticed that too about like if I've ever had my song licensed for something, they mm-hmm. almost always will chop it in the weirdest way. Yep. They'll put like a two bar break just to add in extra time to it for a second and yep. then go into like, totally. oh my God, yes, that shit drives me insane. There's a <laughs> there's an old DVS tune called Byla, which got picked up by this fashion agency for like it's called 50 years of fashion or something like that and the youtube video has like three million plays and they cut out like five beats right before the drop during the riser and it was just so weird you know it was like (laughs) you know there's like more left and it just like went right to the drop it was so weird but like people that are there strictly for the visuals don't even notice it because it accompanies at all don't even think about it it comes because the visuals are first you know it is really the strangest thing, dude. I completely can relate because I remember just being infuriated that like I kept having to cut a bar out of something to make the song drop at the right time of the, of the I mean, ish of the film because, you know, they can edit and post and make sure that things are like exactly on point, obviously. But sure. Um, I also did like a we did a a commercial um, like test commercial for Nike a while ago. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really strange because the whole thing was like. 45 seconds long or something and they had all these like build-ups and drops and tensions and drops and it was just like really frustrating to try to find a way to like get everything in there without having like our typical like Like you know i grew up with house music or like grew up in electronic doing house music so like when everything is so cut and dry in that regard and everything is goes by four everything goes by fucking four people (laughs) right 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 it's so weird (laughs) (laughs) anyway can relate hilarious yeah so anyway you got a new uh album coming out next week a new album coming out next week um yeah it's called attunement it's uh 10 songs and a couple special guests um lapa on violin who plays with emancipator 
and then nice, the, nice. the Soul Food Horns, whom I did my last record with. And then also my buddy Sam Howden, who tours with me as my right-hand man on trumpet and keys. So uh, awesome. I'm really excited. It's, it's you know, it's, it's the next chapter. It's really like albums, they're just a slice of time, you know? I'm not trying to say like, this mm-hmm. is the next best thing, like it's, or the next big thing and everybody should follow me. It's more like, hey, this is a snapshot of where I've been over the past four or five months and maybe I hope you like it. Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> you know? And I'm already yeah, like, I'm, yeah. ar- I'm already on to the next one because that's the way it rolls. But, mm-hmm. you know, nobody except for my wife and my daughter have heard this. So that's, that's exciting. Awesome. And I'm yeah, so your daughter is adorable. Everybody go watch Derek's Instagram. He has all these videos <laughs> of her dancing around in front of him. And it's adorable. <laughs> she will definitely be in the PR rollout campaign. I actually just posted a video last night from the first single called Octave Memory, which is actually so Octave Memory is inspired by like the regurgitating memories from your childhood. You know, I think of like my daughter as my octave or children as the the next mm. octave down, you know, or the next octave up, however you want to look at it. So memories about like mm. those childhood sounds and bringing those back up. Yeah, and I did notice that that track had, did you actually sample your daughter in that? I did, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And Samples you've sampled are... your wife singing before as well, haven't you? Say it again. You've sampled your wife singing, I believe, as well. Sampled my wife a bunch. Yeah, That's awesome. I'm actually working on a splice library that also has my wife in it. That's so, so cool. That's great. I'm Power very thankful house. to Couple. have a profession. Right, exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited. Uh, one, of, You guys were mentioning Instagram. One of the funny things about the record is it has my shortest song yet. It has a 22-minute song that was one of my licks of the day on Instagram. and I liked it so much. I was like, I'm going to put this on here. And it was the coolest thing because it was a beat that only took me an hour to make. Wait, did you say 22 minutes? Did I say 22? I meant 22 seconds. Uh, Okay, okay, I couldn't tell if you were being facetious (laughs) or if you misspoke. (laughs) 22 minute song, shortest song of my life. That's so okay, funny. Hotel Hotel California. And okay. that's so that's coming out uh, attunement. That's coming out next Friday. I'm it's guessing it's coming out actually Wednesday, April 10th. Wednesday, April 10th. So awesome. Whoa, release Wednesday. it on Wednesday. How rebellious! How rebellious! Well, you know the thing is like Friday. Friday's kind of work too. Um, but I was talking about this with some producer friends over the weekend. It's like when it's up to your own hustle, like you can release it whenever you want. And the reality is like, if you release it, like when you release it on Friday, what you're up against is the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then by the time people are back listening to stuff, cause if you look at streaming numbers on all platforms, they all go down on Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. all, all of them every week, everybody's right. SoundCloud numbers, everybody's Spotify. So it's really interesting that they release, it, they have them on Friday. Well, yeah. and also because everyone else is well, doing it you know re- you're comp- not only competing with the fact that people are going to stop streaming the very next day but you're competing with everyone else who thinks that it's record day well so. the, the reason right. why they did that uh they changed it like five years ago from tuesdays in the u.s and pretty much everywhere else to a global street date on fridays didn't someone mm-hmm. release something early or well, something what, fuck it all so up? what happened is the uh germany and austria still have a really i think it's germany and maybe Australia, not Austria. Germany and Australia have a huge physical market, or had five years ago, a huge physical market still. And their street dates were on Fridays, and it would be the Friday before our Tuesdays. So there'd be a ton of leaks mm-hmm. of people going and buying physical, mm. you know, albums uh, in those other countries, mm. and then leaking it online so it would drop sales numbers for the following tuesdays in other markets it's weird because changing it did nothing i mean like literally well they just changed it so everybody released it on friday well i know but just still because of time differences it doesn't really matter there was just a whole debacle with lady gaga's last album where it was totally leaked like a whole day early because of a time difference Uh, thing where somewhere in like australia accidentally put it out and there it went yeah and people could well yeah they're getting better at it yeah right but thanks for the 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 info though, Andrew. Yeah, Pat I used to work like... for Universal. He doesn't like to talk about it. He always I says, know. "I used to work for a major label." Well, I used to work for yeah, Universal Music. You used group. to work for Universal. Yeah, Universal Music Group. In so he said. Yeah, I I did uh, physical CD sales to Walmart, Target, and Best Buy, and then did you really? Yeah, it and was... you met everybody ever. Uh, you met like Young Jeezy. 
Yeah, and he just went by Jeezy because he was like 39 at that point. So, <laughs> but he was a really nice guy. Wow. He gave me free tequila. He owns a tequila company. So wow. that, was, that was cool. Uh, yeah. Rod Stewart was really cool. Um, Melissa nice. Etheridge, did you say? You oh, dude, she, Melissa Etheridge was like the coolest person in the world. <laughs> and uh, Cheryl Crow, did you meet Cheryl Crow? I did not meet or Cheryl. You just Crow. saw her. And I you saw said her she live. Was fantastic. And she, yeah, she's amazing live. We have spent a lot of time in the car together, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I feel like this is the end of a South Park episode. Where it's like, Pat, I really learned something today. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, like Derek, I have to thank you um, for a couple, I missed my, like two or three years ago, I reached out to you on Facebook because I was trying to figure out how to slim down my live guitar rig and you recommended a, a multi-effects pedal, the Boss ME80 to me, and I still use it to this day and it's, oh, nice. it's saved me a lot of, a lot of back pain carrying amps around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's especially great for traveling. Exactly. When you're, when you're trying to to fly with stuff, you know, it's like there's there's no there's no perfect choice when you're on the like you can you can do as much as you want in your hometown, but then it's just a series of compromises when you're traveling of like money versus freedom and totally. all this stuff. <laughs> I just you know. had to first start checking my first bag. And oh really? Oh my mm -hmm. god! Yeah, I'm annoyed now. Like, <laughs> like I had like spent you know the last two years consolidating my DJ controller, my drum pad, all my cables, my computer, ev all my clothes, every single thing into what I could bring on as a carry on and a personal item. Mm -hmm. And right. now I'm starting to play the guitar, trying to on stage, and I have to check it, and it's the biggest pain in my ass. I have to check something, and I've decided to check my guitar. And I'm so annoyed now because I use, I have pre-check now, and I used to just walk in to do my thing, and now I have to stand in line, and I'm such a mm -hmm. little whiny, spoiled little bitch. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, like, feel bad for all these people like Squab that are driving around with just trailers full of shit and, like, carrying right? amps everywhere and all this yeah. stuff, and I'm just like... My guitar case, it's so heavy in this backpack. It's just killing my oh, shoulders. Man. I mean, I've like, I spent so many years driving around like in bands and bringing amps and stuff that like about three years ago, I was just so over it. And like when we were driving around out west, we didn't have room for an amp, Megan. So like, that was I the was, first time we decided to DI you. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out pretty well. Right. We went through like three or four different versions of my rig and I built my own, you know, boards and stuff like that. And then I finally was just like, oh, dude, fuck. That's such a pain in the ass. There's I felt like, like it was constant complaining from constant. you about your pedal board. Yeah, it is. Something not working. Right. Cables going yeah. out and like troubleshooting. And it's like going down to these multi-effects like floor units. It's, it's just so easy for travel, for flying. You can put it in your carry-on. Uh, and now there's so many good ones out there. And I think like the right. uh, from like the guitar perspective, maybe Derek, you have a different um, approach to this. But I think like the scene is kind of changing and people are trying to slim down their rigs. For this very purpose i just saw like a sweetwater article put out like a whole thing out like last week and multiple articles about how to slim down your rig and all these different multi effects processors that they have out there now and right stuff like that yeah and like the kempler amps which Dude, are the pro profiler yeah which are like even big in non-electronic scenes like people doing you know arena shows and stuff like that you know like Dude, live that's bands. what i'm saying i I'm like, I'm like even I've been like, drooling over one of those. Like big metal bands use those now too. Do you guys want to explain to the plebes what that is? The Kemper profiler. I'm a plebe. Yeah, tell me what that is. Go for it, Pat. Um, so the Kemper profiler amp, <clears throat> it's like an $1,800 thing. It can be like a rack-mounted unit or an actual guitar amp. Um, but what it allows you to do is put a mic in front of your amp in your cabinet, and it profiles the. Uh, uh, basically the um, the impulse response of the mic and then you can it digitally captures that and you can reproduce the amp sound just basically on this like digital processing guitar head or amp head so you just bring an amp head at that point after you've like so yeah. you basically like get you you acquire presets essentially yeah. and then you just carry the head around yep exactly and okay, then cool. you can run it either di or you can run it through um, a speaker cabinet on stage and it just makes it basically gives you access to any amp speaker microphone combination 
that has ever existed. And it's people crazy. like have websites out there that may, you know, it's their job to make profiles and sell profiles. So you could get like oh, a wow. vintage okay. Marshall, you know, stack sound in just like a little tiny, like a you know, 20 pack. pound, yeah. you know, amp head. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. And it sounds like identical. You know, there's yeah. been all kinds of crazy crap coming out lately, and I know this is a bit, like, off the guitar track, but I just saw that I think Alessis put out an electronic cajon. Mm. So, like, the places on the cajon are MIDI-mapped to, like, Ableton, and you could, like, put a trap kit on the cajon and sit on it and play it, and it will just but bang. Like, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Wow. Yeah. Be able, yeah, to be able to put any kit on a cajon, that's kind of just... A crazy new thing I've never seen, and the price point's like three hundred dollars because unless it's rules. That's not that right. Big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great for the yeah. I mean, especially for like cats like us that aren't traveling with front of house engineers and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. the more you can slim it down, the better. Like last Absolutely. week, I did, I did a show with five horn players and a rapper and a singer, and I brought an amp and a full pedal board and all that stuff. And it's funny because Cole, who is both Meg and my agent was like, you screwed yourself. <laughs> He's like, this was amazing, but you screwed yourself because now you have to do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. And it's like, yeah, I was going to ask how that show went. Do you, it was is that killer, your first man. time playing with the horn section? Uh, no, I've been doing a bunch of stuff with horns lately. Like I actually did cool. a South by show with the same horn section. That was essentially our rehearsal. And over the past year, I've been always having at least one horn, if not a couple. But this was the first time where it was the full-blown thing. We had two trumpets, two saxes, and a trombone. And it was it was awesome. It's like, how can That's I, really at, cool. at least for Texas shows, I have to do this, you know? And you played Koi Pond, which is an old older album of yours. Did you just play it, like, straight through? No, but we played more of it than I've ever played live before because oh, okay. it just made sense to. And then we played some other stuff, like some new stuff that I don't have released and, you know, some stuff that I just kind of had them jump on. So it was super fun um, and it was really inspiring. And I'm, I'm excited to, you know, continue this trajectory because I think it was it was a really special thing, you know, and it's it's one of those things where like you, you get back what you put into it. And it was pretty much my life that show for three weeks leading up to it between getting all the musicians on the same page and my own production and my own playing and let alone the PR, you know, the PR mm -hmm. is its own job that you could do all day, every day that, you know, but it was really nice to go up there. Meg, I'm sure you've had this like, feeling the, the a b feeling of you know when you're opening it's like you're doing your own thing but you're also somewhat curtailing it based on ramping up for the headliner you know but totally. then when you are the headliner you're like shit i'm gonna do my thing and it's yeah. just it feels so good to have that freedom and that is your reward for all that hard work of like wow these people are here to see me this is great you know they're not here to they're not here to see me because they like the headliner and i just happen to be opening you know yeah, no, definitely. Right, right. It's funny because I've kind of gone backwards in terms of having a ton of live musicians on stage with me. And my first electronic project was like a hybrid act with like 10 of us doing electro swing with full full horn section and everything that I kind of like derived from um, what Parav Stellar was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but as it as it went on that was just exhausting keeping track of 10 people and then yeah i started megan hamilton in the bermuda so that i could keep ownership over the brand and we wouldn't have any you know conversations about whose project it was or what direction it would head in because it would always be mine right. um and then it, it's just like so expensive to just travel with so much equipment and with other people honestly it just became like kind of taxing and i'm at a place right now where we're really trying to plug a lot of um, direct support and things like that. And I'm mostly flying places now, which I'm really fortunate to be able to do, but sure. it cuts back on a lot of costs that you normally would be able to accommodate if you were just driving somewhere. So right, right. I've kind of slimmed everything back, but it is one of my huge passions to have that live instrumentation on stage, to have the horn section, to have more, more than one MC come up and rap with me, you know, like whatever. I love having that chaos. I enjoy planning it. 
I love the chaos. It makes me happy. So <laughs> right, <laughs> <feel> right, <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's part of what you're talking about, Meg, is like being a ninja and being flexible because, you know, the chaos and the the wonderful glory of the big group, but then being able to slim it down and play like a super solid, interesting 90 minute set with just you up there. Like that is not easy to just go back and totally. forth you know sometimes really like isn't. in the same weekend you know yeah mm-hmm. definitely and it's it's so much more i'd say it's so much easier when you have people on stage with you to just like you know if your crowd maybe isn't if you're opening really early or something and your crowd isn't ready to get down yet or if the crowd is just weird you know we've all had that having other people on stage with you is so nice sometimes because yes. if people aren't vibing with you I can just pretend that it's just us and I can look at my homie on stage with me and we can have a good time and I don't have to, you know, rely on the crowd to, to feed me energy. Right. There's, I don't have to worry about that. Having other right. people on stage is really nice in that regard for your confidence level and just for like just general mm-hmm. how much energy you have. Right. And right. so, yeah, trying to replicate that when you're completely alone is, can be difficult. Right. <laughs> but and, and physically exhausting, out, you know? too. You know, it is, yeah. Is it, I'm a sweaty I, Betty. Like when, when I you're come up off there, stage. when you're up there for <laughs> 90 minutes, even when you have like production, it's like every move kind of counts. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, do I look? You know, am I am I engaging enough? Like sometimes you can, you know, think about that, overthink that. So whereas, totally. like and you're especially saying, you know, being a hybrid act when you are doing three, four things at once, mm-hmm. it's really hard to not get computer face sometimes. You know, yes. it's easy for those US, face. It's yeah, easy for those USB DJs to have two minutes between every transition to go, whoa, whoa, let's go, let's go, one, two, three, yeah, four, yeah. and be flopping their arms all over the place. Like, <laughs> right. that's cool. I'm not disrespecting people that mix on CDJs. There are some people that slay that and do stuff besides just like every two minute intro, outro transitions, and, and that's cool. Right. But- like they do have a lot of them that aren't mixing on three decks or doing crazy kind of like crossfader cut stuff. They have a lot of time to pump the crowd up and just, you know, uh, Wonderground put out an article. Um, Ikea produces tables strong enough to support five attention seeking DJs at once. <laughs> like <laughs> literally so they have time to, to hype up the crowd. And that's like half of their purpose on stage. When you're playing the drums and you're singing and you're playing the guitar and you're DJing all of that at the same time and you can't keep keep like you can't stop and it has to keep going for literally 90 minutes, no silence. There's not <laughs> right. a lot of time to like just be, you know, standing on yeah. the table and shit. Being a hype man. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, <laughs> there's something to be said for that. Finding a balance between interacting with the crowd and still doing everything that you need to get done to keep it going. Totally. Totally. And you know what I think of too, uh, and band members, band members, I think of it like having team members on the field that you can pass the ball to, you know, because when, yeah. totally. when it's you, you are the center and the quarterback and the running back and the wide receiver, you know, whereas it's like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to throw it to you. And then nobody's actually paying attention to what I'm doing for the next minute and a half. And that totally, really dude. Cool. I've had totally fucked transitions before. I'll like look at Pat or Kish and be like go 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 <laughs> and it just means like do something do anything solo now cover this up <laughs> right but yeah people it's so like funny how hypercritical we are of those kinds of things those people don't notice at all but you're totally right it is nice being able to pass the buck off for a second and be like hey i fucked up help <laughs> right 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 well anyway yeah um do you have anything else that you want to plug before we hop off here you know i think kind of encapsulating the whole thing going back to the beginning i think it's uh as cliche it is as it is it's like find what you you think you're naturally good at and roll with that you know and that's that to like pat what you're saying about the instagram thing you know that was something that actually cole our agent said to me a couple years ago he said he said, look at Closey's videos. He said, why aren't you doing that? He said, she's not even a professional guitarist. Like, she's a good guitarist, but she, you know, he's like, you actually play with other people as like a sideman. Why aren't you doing these kind of things? And I started doing it and it, it like changed my whole life because it was something that was, that I was just naturally good at. So mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, um, not that it's like an attribute to laziness, but more, you know, 
back to that adventure archetype, you know, don't be afraid to stop adventuring at points and sit down and say, all right, this is me. I'm going to roll with this, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Weird. And finding something you're good at too. People are so like, thinks that's such a daunting thing when really it's literally 20 minutes a day of yeah. putting in work to, you know, if you want to learn the guitar or the piano or whatever, yeah. people say, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. If you literally shut up for 20 minutes about how you don't have time for it, you could have learned it already. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's, feel you. it's not yeah. that hard. Um, so any? Uh, yeah. Tell us what festivals, real quick, that people can come see you at this summer. Yeah. So what's going on with me this summer? I think I'll just talk about like what's happening the next couple months. In June, I'll be in the Northeast for a few weeks, and I think uh, hopefully the li- the lineup will be dropped by the time this podcast come out. Right, Meg. But, Ooh, uh, psychedelic sleepover. Psychedelic sleepover, which I believe is going to be in Stowe, Vermont, right? That's where uh, it is. Yeah, apparently they moved grounds from last year, which I mm-hmm. was like bummed about, but that's just because I haven't seen the new ones. Um, mm-hmm. Last year's was really cool, so I assume that it will be really cool again. Right. <clears throat> so doing that, um, doing Ableton workshop at Alex Gray's Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. June, oh, hey. June 12th to 14th, and then I'm playing their full moon party there. I'm also playing at the Omega Institute, which is also in Hudson Valley, which is a holistic institute. And then after that, I think I'm going to go, you know, I might actually be at Electric Forest this year, just kind of like doing random sit-ins and renegade sets. So you might find me there. And nice. um and I think I'm also going to go to the beach for like a week this summer and I'm going to write a lo-fi beats ukulele album. So that's what's on my docket. That's tight. Sounds sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds sick. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it sounds great. Oh, the beach sounds nice. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, my dude. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, man. And everybody go check out uh, his new album coming out this upcoming Wednesday. All right. Thanks, y'all. Much love. Attunement. Pew, pew. Yeah. Peace out, my dude. Have a good day. Tell the wife and the kid hello. I will. See ya. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Derek. Bye. All right, Derek. Thanks for hanging out with us. We super appreciate ya. And one one thing we got to do, Megan, we always forget to do it is uh, album of the week. But before we get into album of the week, there is a song that was released. A single of the week. A single of the week. Maybe a single of the year. (laughs) Maybe I'll just make this the album. This will be my single of the week in the place of album of the week. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? I am ready. Album of the week. Elon Musk put out a single called R.I.P. Harambe last week. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So you just, <laughs> you put that in your back pocket too. <laughs> just let that one you sink You just in. let that one marinate and uh, you, go, you go listen to it if you want. <laughs> it's a real thing. This is real life. This yeah. is where we are. In, all right. All right. We're, not, we're not having any more avocados. We're getting weed jelly beans. Elon Musk is releasing you can singles see, about Harambe. Yes. <laughs> Still like and you can see the Northern the Lights in Chicago. <laughs> the world is ending, everybody. It's ridiculous. What is your album of the week, Pat? My album of the week is a lost album that has been released in honor of his 80th birthday, which Ooh, is today. We're recording this on April gay. 2nd. It is gay. It's Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye! <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> it's the, the album is called uh, You're the Man. And I heard a single on the way over here today, and it sounded really fucking cool. And I'm excited to listen to the rest of the album. I personally even haven't listened to it yet. But I heard an interesting story on the way over here about Marvin Gaye. His actual name is Marvin Gaye, spelled G-A-Y. But he added the E because, you know, no homo. He didn't want people to think he was gay. (laughs) He didn't want people to think he was gay. You know, and that, like, even the radio guy who was talking about it was like, uh... He could tell he was like rolling in his eyes, like it's 2019. Yeah, like who cares? <laughs> like, come on, man. But that's that's I mean, the true story. It wasn't 2019 when he did that, probably. No, it wasn't. But you know, it's <laughs> like that's the true story. He led a crazy life anyway, and I think it was you that told me that he actually died. His dad shot him. His dad shot him. Yeah, and I don't then his dad the shot himself. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, that is insane. That is insane. Yeah. But anyway, so, go anyway. check go check out uh, Elon Musk and Marvin Gaye. They're in the same category this week. <laughs> <laughs> go and go listen to Cloudcord. And go check out Cloudcord. Yeah, he yeah. has some dope shit always. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on the Green Room Podcast.